Welcome back to the Independent News Hour. I'm your host, John Tarleton, editor in chief of the Independent, New York's progressive newspaper and website. And in our, in our second segment, we look at the U.S. Cuba standoff and how people in New York City and elsewhere are stepping up to end the U.S. embargo of Cuba or, where possible, go around the, to deliver crucial supplies to the socialist nation. Joining us this evening to talk about this situation is Gail Walker, director of IFCO Pastors for Peace. And uh, a little later, we're going to, um, in our third segment, we're going to uh, talk to members of a new uh, driver's co-op that has started here in New York City to challenge uh, Uber and Lyft with a worker-owned uh, model. But uh, right now, we're going to talk about the situation in, in Cuba and what people are doing here in the U.S. Uh, Gail Walker, welcome to 99.5 FM. All right, John, I muted myself. Uh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Yes, thank you uh, for, for joining us. And um, uh, before we uh, go further in the interview, uh, there was a solidarity rally uh, for Cuba here in New York City this past Thursday in Union Square. It was covered by the Independence uh, video team. And uh, we're going to listen to some voices uh, from that rally for a minute, and we'll, we'll talk about that and many other things that are going on. Okay. Uh, depriving them of syringes, uh, which is specifically a thing the U.S. went out of its way to do. So we're going to be out here as long as it takes in solidarity with Cuban people, um, which means to us, the Cuban people, are defending the revolution. That's the vast majority of the people in Cuba. We are seeing the ravages of U.S. and came together here in Union Square in Manhattan to be in solidarity with Cuba and the Cuban people and to be against intervention from the United States, military intervention that they want to cover up with humanitarian aid. Because that doesn't make any sense that you want to, quote unquote, intervene with humanitarian aid while you're blockading a country. Sound was uh, gathered by the Indies, uh, Ken Lopez. Uh, Gail, your your reaction to hearing uh, so many voices uh, coming out last Thursday uh, yeah. right, uh, it, in the heart of Manhattan here in New York? It was great, John. It was great to be there. It was really, I was there. It was uh, um, a really um, spirited uh, group of folk, very diverse, uh, racially uh, intergenerational um, um, Some people I knew, many people I didn't, which was nice. Um, and I think that the overall sentiment was one of, as you just played, uh, you know, U.S. hands off Cuba. There was a, a real um, sense of wanting to support um, not only the, the Cuban people, the Cuban government, its uh, efforts to try to push back against the um, the real uh, devilish ways in which um, I think uh, many in the uh, the mainstream media have tried to paint the situation in Cuba. I've been on phone uh, and through um, the social media in touch with 
uh, Cuban friends about what's what's happening on the ground. And it's a very different picture than what's being painted in many of the uh, uh, the media outlets. Uh, so it was really important, I think, to see people out expressing the will of most people, the vast majority of people in this country who are opposed to the U.S. government's blockade of Cuba. And uh, they they illustrated that last Thursday. Right. Now, there were there were protests in, in Cuba on uh, July 11th that, that drew a lot of attention. Obviously, Cuba is uh, going through a very severe economic crisis right now. Sure. And, and um, for many of those people, they're in, in very uh, desperate straits uh, with the economy as well as the pandemic uh, hitting the island. Uh, can you talk about the impact of the U.S. embargo on Cuba and, and of course, the the irony or, or the, frankly, the hypocrisy of the United States proposing to send humanitarian, uh, do a humanitarian intervention in Cuba when it's engaging in, in one of the most anti-humanitarian uh, uh, economic embargoes in, in recent uh, world history. No, absolutely. The longest, the longest um, set of sanctions that have ever been imposed on a country. And to be, uh, to have the foot of the U.S. government on the neck of the Cuban people in this way, and then at the same time have uh, the Biden administration come out and say, we stand with the Cuban people is, uh, is utter hypocrisy. Because if, and it's been said before, uh, and I'll say it again, that if there was really an interest in um, supporting the people of uh, Cuba, they would lift the blockade. They would re- they would at least ease some of the restrictions that have been put in place. There's uh, at least 243 different measures that were put in place under the Trump administration. Biden hasn't re- um, done anything to um, you know un- undo that. Um, there have been uh, you know um, tremendous- what were some of the the the, the worst of the 243. 243- new think, restrictions that were implemented sure. by Trump. So large and small, but but um probably one of the most egregious was, you know, putting um Cuba on the list of states that sponsor terror. Or, um and this has really been because of um Cuba's uh long-standing relationship with uh well countries like Venezuela, uh which has always, you know, been in solidarity with Cuba and Cuba's been in solidarity with Venezuela. And it's the 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 fact that that Cuba has uh, maintained a um, a policy a a, a, a different um, uh, political system different than uh, the United States that has you know that has pushed the u s to continue this sixty two year old um, blockade policy um, but there are a number of different ways in which those those measures have really helped to to put a, a further stranglehold on the on the Cuban people and you mentioned the the um, the pandemic obviously the case, the economic situation, which has been terrible, I think, around the globe, but um, especially terrible for a country that's also been, um, you know, uh, had had a a 62-year-old set of sanctions or an embargo or a blockade, as Cuba refers to it, because it's not a unilateral um, policy. It's a policy in which other countries are, um, you know, really uh, forced and and, and, uh, threatened in many ways, uh, if they don't maintain a similar kind of um, relationship, if they don't suspend trade, uh, suspend relations, uh, then they might lose out from having relations with the United States. So that's why it's referred to as a blockade. But it's, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a very difficult time for our friends. We know that times are tough, but we also know that the biggest thing that could be done 
would be um, to, to help them would be the lifting of this, uh, this these sanctions. And, and one area that seems uh, especially cruel during the pandemic is while the Cubans have a, a, a highly de- developed uh, biopharmaceutical industry and, and have managed to produce their own uh, highly effective uh, COVID-19 vaccines, they don't have the syringes to be able to uh, fully carry out a vaccination program. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how uh, people are uh, dealing with that in Cuba and why that's an embargo-related issue? Yeah, it's, um, again, you know, the, the hypocrisy, right? You have a country that's fully capable of producing uh, what's needed for its country, but um, because of the the restrictions that are put on um, the uh, trade of any things that might have had uh, either been uh, patented in, in the United States or purchased with a certain percentage, I believe it's at least 10% of uh, U.S. Uh, made goods, uh, they can't be traded or, um, you know, sold um, directly to, to Cuba. Um, the, re- the, the reality is that Cuba has been able to produce five vaccine candidates, five of them, um, at least two that I'm aware of, and maybe more, are on the highest level uh, uh, in terms of efficacy. Um, they are on the list of, you know, the, the first uh, five um, uh, vaccines that are, are effective, but have a lack of syringes. So there has been a tremendous campaign, not only here in this country, uh, this country, I believe that there were at least 6 million uh, syringes that have been um, uh, sent or will be sent to Cuba in the, uh, in Canada and Europe. Uh, Cuba's friends are coming to the, to the fore, you know, and saying, listen, we will provide, provide the syringes that are needed so that you can at least um, inoculate your population and not just the Cuban people, but Cuba has made a commitment to also share its vaccine, its, which is what it does uh, with others in the, in the uh, area, uh, in the region who might not have the, uh, the, uh, the ability to vaccinate their own uh, population. But that's a part of Cuba's medical internationalism, which has been a core part of, you know, what it is that Cuba does, whether it's been sending doctors out to dozens of countries to fight covid uh, sending doctors to West Africa to fight Ebola, sending doctors to Haiti after an earthquake, uh, sending doctors to various parts of the world after natural disasters. There's a historic you know, um, uh, precedent that Cuba has put in place in terms of its commitment to doing uh, this medical internationalism work. And this is uh, just a, another um, example of it uh, at uh, what they're doing uh, in the fight against um, COVID and why it's so unconscionable, as you just said, that uh, (laughs) while they can produce these medicines, certain other supplies they don't have access to, um, syringes being being just one. Right. And, of course, the Cubans have have trained many thousands of doctors at the Latin American School of uh, Medicine in in Cuba as well, who've then gone around the world to serve uh, low-income communities, including uh, some communities here in the United States. Yeah. Um, but we'll have to leave here in a, in a moment. But uh, last question before we go, which is, uh, what are, are you and, and other groups that you're active with and in communication with, uh, what are you all doing uh, to try to um, confront this blockade? Uh, and how can people uh, get involved if they want to, if they want to get involved with uh, Cuba solidarity work here in New York? 
Thanks, John. Thanks for that that question. Um, Elon, Latin America School of Medicine, the org- my organization has helped to uh, facilitate the opportunity for 200 U.S. graduates, the very country that's blockading Cuba. Uh, we've received these doctors that are serving in underserved communities. So that's one one way support that program support these doctors we're we're collecting um supplies and resources so that we can purchase uh, uh medicines to actually um send down um trying to fill a cargo plane um many different groups but that's another way there's a friendship caravan we organize an annual caravan uh, to cuba it's allow it's an opportunity for people to see cuba for itself but also to counter you know, some of the disinformation. So there's a lot of different ways that people can plug in and um, and uh, different Cuba solidarity efforts taking a, 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 um, a place across the, the country. I would say if people want to learn, they could go to our website, ifco at ifconews.org. Ifco, that's I-F as in freedom, C-O, ifco at ifconews.org. And um, we can learn more. One other email address. Okay, yeah, website, real quick. U.S. Cuba normalization. I know it's a mouthful. Oh, U.S. Cuba normalization dot org. Okay. Well, Gail Walker, director of uh, IFCO Pastors for Peace. Thank you so much for joining us on WBAI Radio this evening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.